He believes the generation behind them will recognize the shallowness of this new theology. And with nothing invested in remaining a Christian, they'll basically say, let's just call it what it is and leave the faith altogether. Bands like Cademan's Call composed the soundtrack for many evangelical youth. That's why it's especially sad to learn that former member Derek Webb recently announced he's walked away from his faith, finding the Christian narrative to not be true. He describes his latest album, Fingers Crossed, as a tale of two divorces, referencing the divorce from his wife and from God. The album features a song called Goodbye for Now, which laments, So either you aren't real or I am just not chosen. Maybe I'll never know. Either way, my heart is broken. So goodbye for now. These deconversion stories, so the opposite of being converted and, and coming to live for Jesus is to go the opposite way and be deconverted, go out of the church. These deconversion stories have become almost a rite of passage in the progressive church, giving rise to podcasts, websites, and conferences entirely devoted to the process of deconstruction, or rather removing anything Christian that has been put into them. In fact, Webb's album has been described as an anthem for deconstruction, inspiring a podcast called The Airing of Grief, where listeners can share the deconversion stories. So here are some three atheistic ideas that some progressive Christians espouse or, or, or proclaim and may lead them into full-blown atheism. Number one, they may adopt a belief that the Bible is unreliable. The Bible is a profoundly human book by Rob Bell. If we are fixed on the Bible as a book that has to get history right, the Gospels become a crippling problem. Peter ends. Anything in the Bible that looks miraculous or contrary to the normal functions of the natural world is not factual, but rather is mythological. James Burklow. Do you think that these are the musings of hardened skeptics, the declarations of atheists bent on destroying Christianity? No. These are actually the words of progressive Christian writers and scholars about their own holy book. No one would think twice if they heard an atheist deride the supernatural stories in the, Christ, in the scripture, but they might be surprised to learn that progressive Christians share this skepticism. Number two, they may have an unresolved answer to the problem of evil in the world. For atheists, one of the most consistent defeaters of belief in God is the reality of evil and suffering. Throughout the ages, even many Christians have wrestled with this ancient dilemma. If God is good, why is there evil? If he's all-powerful, why doesn't he do something about it? Sadly, when someone can't come to a place of resolve and peace with these questions, the temptation is to redefine the faith they've held or to leave it altogether. Former atheist C.S. Lewis wrote, My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? 
For Lewis, the problem of evil led him to faith in God. But in the case of progressive Christians and atheists, it often leads to further deconstruction and unbelief. We'll just stop the excerpts for a moment to um, talk a little bit more about the problem of evil. The answer to the problem of evil is actually quite simple. The first beings God created that were capable of independent thought were the angels. And angels were created to minister to, or in other words, worship God. This is because God desires and deserves to be worshipped above all else. One of the angels, Lucifer, decided that he wanted to be God instead. So he led a rebellion against God that involved a third of the angels. Lucifer and his angels were cast out of heaven, and the other two-thirds of the angels continued to serve God faithfully. The angels only had one choice to make, to follow God or Lucifer that one time, and that has determined their eternal destination. But God desired and desires more than just that. God desired a creation that would continue to choose to follow and worship him no matter what the situation or circumstances that they faced, that they came against. God desired a creation that would worship him out of their own free wills, no matter how easy or how hard it was. To do that, God had to make a creation that had completely free wills, with the ability and even right to make their own choices good or bad. God has always had huge blessings prepared for those who choose and chose to serve and follow and worship him. But he has not always poured out judgment on those who have denied his existence or metaphorically spat in his face. Why is that? It's because God doesn't want robots. God wants people to worship him. If God stopped people every time from making bad choices, even from doing evil against their fellow man and woman, he would be taking away people's free will. And the same goes for pouring out judgment. You can't give a creation a free will and then force them to only make good choices. That's not free will. That's programming people to only make certain choices. That's creating robots and not people. And stopping people from making bad choices, from doing evil, would completely negate the entire purpose that he created us for in the first place. Don't think that God doesn't want to stop all of the evil and the suffering. Don't think that God is heartless. It grieves God to his very core when he sees all of the evil and the sin and the depravity that man chooses to do when they turn their backs on him. But he made a choice right at the very beginning of creation to see this all through, all the way to the very end. Because God has a purpose. He wants people to choose him over all of the evil, all of the alternative choices, all of the sin, and choose to worship him freely. And to continue to choose to worship him from day to day to day, no matter what comes in their path. This this doesn't mean that God doesn't step in at times. You see, God is really jealous over his people. The people that choose to follow him, even with all of the junk that goes on around them, no matter how bright the lights are in the world, no matter the temptations, those who choose to worship him, even when society brands them as fanatics or as evil. Anything or anyone who comes after his people had better watch out. God preserved Israel and Judah many times, 
when vastly superior forces came against them, sometimes even giving them the victory without them even lifting a finger. He just did it all. And they didn't even have to fight at all. But that was only when they looked to God and worshipped Him like they should. The other times when they rebelled against God, when they worshipped other gods, He left them to be destroyed. When they were His people, He did miraculous things in their midst. And when they left Him, He withdrew His protective hand from them. Why do you think that God told the Israelites to destroy all the inhabitants of the land that God had given to His people? Wouldn't it have been easier and less gory to just get them to relocate to a different spot? Then the children of Israel can go in and take the land that God had promised them. We once, come, we once again come back to the aspect of free will. No nation will ever willingly leave their land without a significant reason. If God overrode their free wills, He would once again have negated the entire purpose of His creation. So God told His people to destroy the inhabitants completely. Why? Couldn't the Israelites have lived together peacefully alongside the inhabitants? Well, there are actually two reasons why they could not have. One reason is, once again, the aspect of free will. No nation would willingly give up significant parts, really most, of their land to house an entire foreign nation. And God isn't in the business of overriding people's wills. The second reason is even more compelling. God knew that the inhabitants of the land would infect His people with their godless values, their evil culture, and turn them to worship their idols. It says in, in His Word, Deuteronomy 31, 16 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, this is God talking to, to Moses, Behold, you shall sleep with your fathers. You're going to die, Moses. And this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whether they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought, in that they are turned unto other gods. God called it before it happened. And what happened? The people of the land weren't completely driven out or destroyed, and they turned Israel away from worshipping God to worshipping idols, exactly as God had said. He knew his people would be taken away from him, so he wanted to jealously guard his people from what would destroy them spiritually. That gift of completely free will is the same reason why everybody is not a Christian today. Why not everybody is a Christian today? If God forced everybody to worship Him, then He hasn't given them a completely free will. So, for His eyes on the prize of His people that choose to follow Him, and that will follow Him no matter what, He endures this godless world until He can call all of His people home to live with Him in eternity. That's the God that we serve. So what's the third thing? First one was that they may adopt a belief that the Bible is unreliable. Second one is they may have an unresolved answer to the problem of evil. And the third is they may affirm a culture 
adapting morality. Many atheists believe an action is moral or immoral based on its effect on the well-being of humanity. With no need to bring God into the picture, this view of morality ends up following certain societal norms, whatever the society believes is true. It's not so different for progressive Christianity. With the Bible evicted from its seat of authority, that authority will generally shift onto self. Personal conscience, opinion, and preference becomes the lens through which life and morality is evaluated and interpreted. And this will usually be informed by the current cultural milieu or a person's social environment. In 2016, Jen Hatmaker sent shockwaves through American Christian culture by announcing she now affirms same-sex marriage. LGBT activist Matthew Vines tweeted that this made her one of the highest-profile evangelicals to do so. She's hardly the only self-professed evangelical who no longer holds to the historic Christian position on sexuality and marriage. For atheists, morality has never been informed by the Bible. And for progressives... The Bible is being renovated to accommodate some of our culture's moral standards. But as Campolo describes, letting go of historical doctrines can be addictive. He explains, once you start adjusting your theology to match up to the reality you see in front of you, it's an infinite progression. It doesn't just start with that one little thing that you choose to ignore or compromise on, it adds, it snowballs. It gets bigger and bigger until you have no idea where you're going to end up. For Campolo, sovereignty was the first to go, believing that God was sovereign. For others, it's a belief in biblical norms regarding sexuality and gender or the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Whatever it may be, once a person makes their own thoughts feelings and opinions, the authoritative source for truth, their spirituality will reflect what they prefer rather than what is true. And the further a Christian walks down this path, the further they get from a genuine relationship with God. Tim Keller aptly notes, what happens if you eliminate anything from the Bible that offends your sensibility and crosses your will? If you pick and choose what you want to believe and reject the rest, how will you ever have a God who can contradict you? You won't. You'll have a Stepford God. And Stepford just means someone who is regarded as robotically conformist or obedient. So you have a God that basically follows whatever you want and not a God who is over us. A God essentially of your own making and not a God with whom you can have a relationship and genuine interaction. And so that's where I'll finish reading from the article. You can see from the article that even denominational Christians recognize the dangers of compromise. They don't uphold the truth of the Word of God in the same manner that we as a church organization do, but they can still recognize compromise when they see it. If you don't love the truth, it's a slippery slope. For progressive Christians, and I'll say Christians in inverted commas, who try to marry the church and the world together, who try to find common ground between biblical beliefs 
And what's normal in society, it's the slipperiest slope of all. You can't merge society and God together. Society used to be based on Christian values and principles. The 1950s, it was still um, based on Christian principles. But since that time, there's been a steady decline. As more and more atheism has grown to be the dominant force in religion, it's a religion, um, and, and in society, people blaming it more and more, our society is based on evolution, not Christian anymore. It's gone. People are no longer trying to, to do anything by God's word. It's all by what society thinks is right. The majority of the people, what they think it's right, or those that can, uh, can uh, um, give their case forward um, big enough and convince enough people. Once you start compromising the truth of God's word, it's a path that leads further and further away from God. And it's rarely a quick process. You probably don't even know it's happening. But you start somewhere and it continues. It's a slow progression. It's rarely a quick process. First, you have questions about one thing that God has put in his word. Did God really mean that? Or did God really mean it that way? Or surely God doesn't want us to do that today. Or I don't believe that scripture applies to me. Or I don't believe that scripture applies to us in the same way that it did back then. Or the world has changed and we should remain relevant to the world. Otherwise, how are we going to reach the world? Your question, your doubt starts to eat away at you. Your opinion of the word of God changes. And once you've settled it in your mind after a fight of reasoning, emotions and perhaps fear, you either change God's word in your mind or you skip over it entirely. It's not something that you're willing to believe anymore. You end up with an amended version of God's word or a Bible that has a hole in it. And once that process has begun, it's easier for another part of God's word to go by the wayside. You've already justified something being different in the first place. So what's to stop you from justifying another thing that doesn't meet up with your personal convictions or what society believes? And then another, and then another. Eventually, you start ending up with a Bible according to me. Or God's holy word is edited by me, myself, and I. Or an official Swiss cheese Bible, where there's nothing but air or static where important scriptures used to be. Did God inspire you to make revisions to his eternal word? He did not. Did God hire you to blow holes out of his saving word? The answer is no. When we change or ignore the truth of God's word, we make ourselves in our own eyes equal or greater than God. And we know how that worked out for the angel Lucifer, who we now know is the devil. You are saying that your own thoughts, opinions and ideas are more important than what God has plainly stated in his word. This is nothing less than rebellion, which the Bible says is as the sin of witchcraft. You might as well be worshipping Satan. It's as though you've completely given yourself over to the power of Satan to allow him to use you for his evil purposes. There is only one end to that slippery slope, and that is spiritual death. 
when we allow our own opinions, our own thoughts, our own ideas, or the opinions, thoughts, and ideals of the world to mold, to shape, to change our theology of what we think of God and how we follow God, anything can happen. One of the people referenced in the article was a former conservative Christian lady who started referring to God as a she, when the Bible specifically and always refers to God as being in the masculine tense. You start putting your own thoughts and ideas into the Bible and it becomes twisted in your mind. You start believing things that are completely and utterly false, rejecting what is plainly stated in the Word of God. Kind of like what will happen when the Antichrist is in power. Second Thessalonians 2 and 9, even him, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. We have to love it, brothers and sisters. We have to love the truth. There are too many churches that are rejecting important parts of the scripture and they're just in decline. They're, they're going backwards but we have to hold to the full truth of God's Word. That's the only thing that's going to protect us. That's the only thing that's going to save. It's the only thing that's going to stop us from, um, from uh, compromising. We have to hold, we have to love the truth. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What does the Bible say about compromise? Proverbs 23 and 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. 1 John 2.18 says, Little children, it is the last time. And as you've heard that Antichrist shall come, even know now that there Sorry, even now, even now there are many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. And that was written almost 2,000 years ago. There were antichrists back then. How much more are the antichrists in the world today? You just have to look at the news. You just have to look at what society believes. Even now, there are many, are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. You've been taught. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got God trying to lie, guide and lead you into the right Why? You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. You want eternal life? You hold on to the word of God. 
You want eternal life? You hold on with everything that you have to the truth of God's word. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. There's going to be a draw. There's going to be a pull. There's going to be people believing things that sound good, but we cannot afford to spend any time thinking about those things. We need to hold on to the truth of God's word. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not, need not that any man teach you, but as the anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. If you listen to the Holy Ghost within you, if you, you don't push him away, if you don't try to put him into a corner or a compartment, if you listen to his guiding and his leading, he will lead you into all truth. Titus 1 and 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. When you look at the word of God, it's pure. It's righteous. It leads us into salvation. It leads us into holiness. It leads us into being a better person. Society will not do that. Nothing in this world will do that. But when we don't believe the Bible is pure, when we don't believe in His Word, when we choose what we want to believe in His Word, our mind and our conscience will be defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto, and unto every good work reprobate. Second Timothy 3 and 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. It's not godliness, but it's a form. They kind of look like they're godly, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Don't listen to those who are preaching something else other than God's Word, the full truth of God's Word. Don't let them get into your minds and start twisting the Word of God. Know who you are listening to. Listen to preachers of the truth. And don't listen to those who would tickle your ears or who seem to be some a powerful preacher. If they don't believe the Word of God, we cannot afford to let them twist our hearts and our minds. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You can try to learn everything that there is out there, but if it's not coming from the Word of God, then we need to get rid of it. Now, as Janners and Jambres, they were <clears throat> the sorcerers in the time of Pharaoh, withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. It's going to become evident 
those that believe in God and those that don't. So many of the great evangelical preachers that the world put forward as being great and as, as having a powerful ministry, so many of them have fallen into sin, into adultery, and into worldliness. And it shows just where their heart really was. We cannot afford to follow someone who is not following God, even if they sound good. Second Timothy 3.10 but you have fully known my doctrine. This is Paul talking to Timothy. My doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, with what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If we're persecuted, it doesn't mean we're outside the will of God. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue you in the things which you have learned and has been assured of, the full truth of God's word, knowing of whom you have learned them. You need to know who is talking to you. Know, and that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise under salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture... All scripture, not a part. This is the most unified book you will ever find in the world because it was authored by God. And everything fits together, merges together, melts together perfectly. There is no other book like it. Nothing written by mankind could ever hope to be as powerful and as unified as this book that we hold in our hands. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished under all good works. First Timothy 6 and verse 3, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof comes envy, strife, railings, evil smizings, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute to the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such. Withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And Romans, last passage. Romans 1 and 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God has given us more than enough evidence that He created the world. God has given us more than enough evidence that His Word is true and powerful and able to save and able to change in ways that nothing on this earth, no matter how supposed advanced our society is, can do. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We can be deceived. We can believe we are wise when we are completely the opposite. 
and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. These are people that profess themselves to be Christians who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. These are things, these are the things that are waiting for those who don't treat the word of God in high regard. Who think they can change the truth of God's word into a lie and get away with it. It's no wonder that progressive Christians are turning to atheism. This passage pretty much gives that as a natural progression of changing his word. First they change one thing, and then another thing. And then that leads down the path into more and more doing things against God and and believing that it's right, believing that they're in the right place with God. If we could stand this morning, if I could get someone to the piano, please. The Word of God is certain. The Word of God is true. I don't have time this morning to go into the Word of God and how God has revealed and shown that it is His Word. There is no other book like the Word of God. There is no other book like the Bible. There is nothing that calls mankind to change their ways like the Word of God. There is nothing that has power through centuries like the Word of God that still saves hearts and minds and people today. We cannot afford to even change one little bit of it in our minds. We need to follow the full truth of God's Word. And so I wonder if there's been a little bit of compromise coming into you this morning. If there's been a little bit of a change in your thinking. You see the world around you, you see society around you, and and you you wonder if it's all true. You wonder... How, how relevant we really are in this world today. I'm here to tell you that we are the most relevant thing in the entire earth to this society that we have today. The Bible is relevant, and it will be relevant.